Welcome to chapter four of 1 Timothy and Daily Drive Time Devotions. Day one, we're going to take a look at verses one and two today. Remember that we have been talking about how to live a motivated Christian life, a motivated life of faith, and that the motivation doesn't come from us, it comes from God and the power that he can pour into our lives. But there are choices that he encourages. There are ways that he shows us to live that can make a difference in living this lifetime of faith. And last week, we focused in chapter three on this choice of integrity and how you and I, as we live with integrity, can live a life of faith. This chapter, chapter four, is strongly focusing on Paul's encouragement to Timothy, but it also is some encouragement to every one of us. It's a chapter that focuses on those times when you feel like there is no way that God could use you. You're willing, but you feel like, I just don't have as much to offer as all those, those superstars of faith or those older people of faith or those people that have been so long in the faith that I see all around me. And you're hit by these feelings of inferiority. How could God use me? Now, when that happens, our task is not to learn to avoid that feeling, because the truth is, we all have that feeling. Really, our task is to learn to handle the feeling in a way that it doesn't get a foothold in our lives and keep us from living the life of faith that God has for us. One of Satan's tricks is to make you feel inferior so that you won't live out a life of faith. We gain a lot of personal insight from this chapter from the Apostle Paul. He gives advice to a close friend, a son in the faith who struggled and sometimes was even paralyzed by feelings of inferiority, Timothy. Timothy, just get this picture with me. He's struggling with his leadership as a pastor. And there are probably some even leaving the church because of some false teaching and some people being drawn away out of the church. And so Paul begins to go after what's going on in Timothy's life. As he starts this chapter, he goes after one of the most important dangers in feelings of inferiority. One of the problems with feelings of inferiority is it can cause a greater focus on myself. And that's the last thing that I need when I'm feeling inferior. I need a greater focus on God because he's the one who's going to give me new strength, give me new life. But I feel bad about myself, so I focus on myself. And Timothy's going through this. People are leaving the church. He starts to think, well, they're leaving the church because of me. Feelings of inferiority are Satan tempting you to focus on yourself. Because when you lift your eyes beyond yourself, you're going to see the real truth. Now, Paul talks about this to Timothy, specifically regarding those who are leaving the church and why they're leaving the church. In verses 1 and 2, here's what he has to say. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Now, let's just walk through what these verses mean, because there's a lot of questions to these verses. First, he says, in later times. He's talking to Timothy. This is 2,000 years ago, and you're thinking, well, wait, this isn't later times. This is just after Jesus died. This is just a few decades later. What does later times mean in the New Testament? It means any time from the time that Jesus first came, because the truth is, since Jesus' first coming, he could come again at any moment. Now, we know now that he's waited 2,000 years. They didn't know that then. And we know now that he could still come at any moment, any moment he wants. So that's why these times are, in one sense, later times. They're the times when we're waiting for Jesus Christ to come again. And Paul writes and says, this is no surprise that this has happened, Timothy. You shouldn't look just at yourself or just blame yourself. The Spirit has told us that this is going to happen, that some will abandon their faith. 
Now, who are these that he's talking about here? Well, he doesn't identify it exactly, so we're not sure. Are these Christians or just Christians in, in name? They seem to be believers. They seem to be people who are in the church, but somehow they've gotten caught up in going in the wrong direction in life. And there's a great warning to that in all of us. I can be a true believer in Jesus Christ. I can know him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I can know that I am saved. But if I listen to false truth, if I let go of God's word and begin to listen to these false lies that these false teachers have, they can draw me away. They can draw me away from the life of faith that God wants me to lead. They can draw me away from the life of joy that God wants me to to enjoy. They can draw me away from the life of service that God wants to use me in to make a difference in this world. And that's what's happening in this church. Following deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. That that sounds almost super spiritual to us, but it's not. It's lies. What he's talking about here is lies, deceiving spirits. Every false teaching is a lie. And that lie is almost always, it is always, based on my pride. The false teacher lies and, based on my pride, makes me feel better about myself if I do this. If I follow that false teaching, I'm going to feel smarter than everybody else. If I follow that false teaching, I'm going to have more spiritual power than everybody else. It's always me better than everybody else. It's always, it's always my pride. Whenever you follow your pride, whenever you want to feel better than everybody else in comparison to everyone else, that is abandoning your faith. Now, Paul makes a distinction here between those who have been drawn away and those who are drawing them away. In verse 2, he says, those teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. He's talking now about the false teacher. He's talking about the one who is leading other people astray. He says they're hypocritical. They're not leading the lives that they say they're leading. They're liars. They'll just say whatever they need to say in order to get you to follow the truth. It's amazing how a confident liar can draw so many people to himself or to herself. The power of a confident lie is a terrible, terrible power. Now, how does somebody tell a confident lie? I mean, some of you might be thinking, when I lie, everybody knows. I mean, my my face gets red. I I, I start to stumble in my speaking. I, I, I know that everybody knows I'm lying when I lie. How do you tell a confident lie? You do it by having your conscience seared. Paul says their conscience has been seared as with a hot iron. They no longer even know right from wrong. They don't care. They just see themselves. That's how your conscience is seared. You don't see other people. All you see is yourself. So all you do is what's best for you. Really, in one sense, these people aren't evil. They're just selfish, which, which is the greatest evil of all. We, we've seen these last couple of weeks walking through these chapters that there's a lot about conscience and our conscience in the Bible. A lot in these chapters. Last week, we talked a lot about having a clear conscience before God. And these verses talk about having a seared conscience. I can't be saved by having a good conscience. I can't get to a relationship with God by feeling good about myself. But the idea of a conscience is there is something in all of us that knows right from wrong. And I I can take that knowledge that I've done something wrong, and I can take it to God, and I can accept his forgiveness and I can make it right before the other person, I can clear my conscience. I can do the humble thing. Or in pride, I can ignore what I've done that's wrong. In fact, I can pretend that it really isn't wrong because other people have done worse things. I can say to myself, I would never ask another person for forgiveness, never show that kind of weakness. I could hide it with everything that I'm worth. And as I do that, every moment I do that, I am searing my conscience. You can live life with a clear conscience, 
or a seared conscience. You can live life by the truth and be a pathway for other people to see the truth in Jesus Christ, or you can live life with a lie and be a pathway for other people to be drawn into that lie. How do you want to live? Paul is talking here about living a kind of confidence before Christ. And in living that life of confidence, you have to realize that there are those who tell confident lies. And just seeming confident on the outside is not the key. The key is knowing Christ and who he is and his love for you. That is the focus. That's the center of our confidence. I'd like to take a minute together to talk to him. And Jesus, as we talk to you, we realize that our confidence is in you and nowhere else. Lord, help us to be humble enough to know that we can be drawn into a lie. And so help us to be humble enough to spend time in your word so that we can see the truth and see the lies for what they are to get to know you. And Lord, help us to be humble enough to admit those times when we've done wrong. That instead of our conscience being seared by our own selfishness, it will be cleared by our humility, our willingness to admit wrong to you and to ask for forgiveness from you. Lord, I know that my own pride is a terrible thing. Lord, help me never, never to think that somehow I could make myself right before you. Help me to always realize humbly before you what you've done for me. I tell you right now that I am grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Tomorrow, as we take a look at the verses, Paul's going to get specific about the false teaching that's stealing these people's faith. (laughs) 